Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Okay, welcome to Mission Supercritical, an exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success story of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest uh, is not a current customer of Apex Supercritical, despite the, uh, the title and the, and the bring into the show there. Today's guest is Scott Miglin. He is the uh, dispensary director for Ohio Grown Therapies. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah. So, uh, so again, you know, you're not a uh, not a current customer of Apex, so we're we're you know, digressing a little bit from the original intent of the show. But I think it's a, an interesting topic because you, as a dispensary director uh, here in the state of Ohio, um, are effectively the customer of our customers here at Apex Supercritical, right? So we we make equipment, extracts oils from plant materials, or you know, basically the supplies processors. The, uh, the stuff that dispensaries ultimately or you know recreational shops will ultimately need so um, you know I think it's uh, it's still still an interesting topic and uh, um, looking forward to our conversation here today um, so Scott real quick you know let's let's go through a little bit of the background stuff so tell me tell me you know who you are where you come from you know why you're a dispensary director here for Ohio grown therapies um, and kind of you know how you got involved in the cannabis industry prior to that sure so uh, my my current uh, profession is a, a, a pharmacist. I have been more in the community retail pharmacy world for uh, about twenty four, coming on twenty five years now. I uh, went to went to college at Ohio Northern, got my bachelor of science degree in uh, pharmacy, and have been practicing uh, ever since. Um, and uh, it was quite interesting how I kind of got into the cannabis space was mainly because of the state of Ohio. Originally, as you may remember, House Bill 2523 indicated they wanted pharmacists to run the dispensaries in the first bit of legislation before the legislation actually passed. Uh, and that's what first caught my eye. And I kind of sent a joking text to my my buddy, who's also a pharmacist, and said, hey, here's our new career. And uh, and lo and behold, here I am. So <laughs> fast forward a little bit later. So yeah, the the uh, House Bill 523 had some initial language that, that you know was super uh, conservative, and you know they wanted a pharmacist. To, it wasn't just a uh, it wasn't just a pharmacist to run a pharmacist to run dispensaries. It was a pharmacist at every dispensary, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, somebody, you know, somebody spoke up and said, "Hey, those pharmacist guys are pretty expensive. Uh, maybe that's <laughs> not the best idea." Right. So. So they so they modified that kind of stuff, but you know, as a as a pharmacist, um, doesn't that you know getting involved in something that's federally illegal, kind of put you in a in a in a interesting predicament? It could, uh, if I tried to put it into my pharmacy, any anything. Um, me on a personal level, I I have no involvement federally. I'm only licensed by the state. So, and, and the state was clear to point that out, that uh, pharmacists do not have a conflict of interest in the state of Ohio. Uh, contrast that with a physician. Uh, a physician has what's uh, called a DEA license to, to prescribe controlled substances. 
there is a potential conflict there with DEA and the federal uh, restrictions. So uh, the uh, the physicians are not allowed to prescribe, but they are allowed to recommend. So there's a distinction there. Right, and and that actually kind of seems a little bit backwards, you know, where you know dispensaries. Uh, in, in the in the more pure sense of pharmaceutical sense, you know, if I don't go to a dispensary, I go to a pharmacy, mm-hmm. right? You as a pharmacist aren't typically in the in the position or or you know, uh, typically even even um, qualified. I guess is probably the best word for it to tell me what kind of medicine I need to take. That's what the doctor's supposed to tell me. Um, why is why is cannabis different? Well, uh, I I would uh, counter that uh, statement by saying we recommend medications every day. Um, uh, you know, say for example, you come in for a cough and cold, you're not going to the doctor, you're going to the pharmacy and buying your over the counter medicine. And and just because you don't need a prescription for it doesn't make it any potentially more or less dangerous. You know, depending on your situation and other medications you're taking. So we. We do recommend medications on a daily basis, you know, even if you, even considering vitamins and herbs and things of that nature. So, but uh, but yes, ultimately the physicians uh, make the recommendation, and pharmacists guide the patients in proper usage of that. Okay. Okay. So so having having the background of of you know recommending medicines and things like that to potential patients is is certainly up your alley then, but you know, do you have a lot of experience with cannabis and, and, you know, medical marijuana? How do you, how do you know what to, to, you know, once a recommendation, a patient comes in with a recommendation, how do you know what to tell them they should use? Well, it, it, it's going, it, it, it's, it's a continuing learning curve. Uh, you know, I've been involved, heavily involved for about two years now since the bill was passed and, and, and I've done my share of, uh, educating of myself but as far as you, if you consider the disease states that Ohio uh, lists, and uh, and the, the 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 symptoms involved, I'm very well versed in all 21 of those states. Even if I'm not an expert in those, you know, I, I know the language, and I know how to educate patients, and I know how to talk the language, and I know um, how to answer questions that come up now the cannabis is the the cannabis side of it that's that's the learning part learning you know which cultivars are appropriate for which uh symptoms and which disease states and uh where i think i give added benefit though is 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 um knowing patients traditional prescription history and relating that to what we can use for uh, cannabis therapy uh, is going to be really important. I think that's where we give the ad- a pharmacist can give the added benefit. Right, and that, you know that kind of brings up an interesting point. You know, you as a pharmacist are are kind of tasked with making sure that uh, you know you're at least aware or as much aware as possible of potential you know drug interactions. You know, if somebody's taking two different kinds of drugs um, that could interact together and and cause a negative outcome. You know, you as a pharmacist are kind of tasked with with seeing that and making sure that it, it doesn't happen as much as possible. Are you going to have that same kind of um, ability to see what other people are having through the, the board of pharmacy as a dispensary director? I, I hope to, you know, it's the, the evidence uh, based um, information out there as it relates to cannabis and interacting with other medicines is, 
It's a bit thin. And, uh, you know, so I think as we go along, we're going to learn more and more. And uh, but but absolutely, uh, you know, being able to to recommend a, a certain uh, product based on uh, what I know the patient might be experiencing already from other medications they use is going to be uh, extremely important. Right, but are, is the dispensary actually tied into the same pharmacy network that you? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry, I misunderstood your question. Uh, as I understand it, no. Uh, every, everything that we get, everything that we do, will be based on patient um, interviews, and if the patient decides to to declare what they've, uh, you, know, er, you know, their whole history. And so be it. But we so we can only act on as much information as they give. Uh, there will be a state database where we can tell what uh, marijuana usage that the patient has has had in the past. But uh, I will not have access to say their whole medical history. Right. Okay. So, but it's it it you know that's some some good insight for potential patients. Uh, here in the state of Ohio that, you know, you as a, you know, normally as a pharmacist, you would, you know, people just assume, hey, you know what I'm taking because you're a pharmacist, right? Mm -hmm. You got access to that. But if you're walking into a medical marijuana dispensary, it's important to disclose, you know, other medicines that you might be taking. And, you know, even though there isn't much information on potential drug interactions between, you know, regular pharmaceuticals and medical marijuana, mm -hmm. it's still important to at least disclose that. So, you know, you as the director of the, the, the dispensary can try to guide them on, on what at least some potential interaction complications might be, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and every, when people think of uh, medications, they think of prescriptions often, and that goes back to, I, I talked about over-the-counters, uh, herbal supplements, vitamins. Those are all important too, because cannabis can interact with those things just as well. And a lot of people that use medical cannabis are users of natural remedies and, and supplements of that sort. So, so knowing those things up front can really make a difference in how we uh, we recommend to our patients. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, so, all right, Scott, we're uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit about some of the challenges that you've seen in the pharmacy world and how maybe that might give some insight into what cannabis dispensaries are going to feel 5, 10, maybe even 15 years down the road. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Super Critical after we hear from our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Friday night, August 25th. 
CannabisRadio.com and the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo invite you aboard the hottest party of the summer. Burn like a baller and party like a player at High Tide. An exclusive VIP experience aboard a luxurious $40 million mega yacht sailing along the intercoastal and all points in between. High Tide is destined to be the can't-miss nighttime networking event for anyone active in the cannabis space. Don't miss the boat. Tickets are going fast. RSVP now at usccexpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. That's usccexpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. High Tide is presented by the Cannabis Business Awards, honoring cannabis professionals deserving of historical recognition and esteemed accolades for industry progression and innovation. Learn more at CannabisBusinessAwards.com. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Today's guest, Scott Miglin, dispensary director for Ohio Grown Therapies. So, Scott, you've been a pharmacist for, I think you said, 25 years? Or Coming up on that, yep. 20, 25 years. And uh, so, you know, you, you've kind of lived through almost, you know, a couple of different business cycles in the pharmacy world. Um, even though you haven't necessarily owned your own pharmacy, you've certainly been exposed to, you know, the changes in the business environment for pharmacies. Tell me a little bit about kind of the transitions that you've seen over the, the course of your career here. Biggest transition has been the uh, at the advent uh, of uh, of insurance, you know, and I know we won't deal with that on this, the dispensary level, but and when I started back in the early 90s, insurance is paying for prescriptions was was a little rare. I, mean, I wouldn't say rare, but it was it was it, I had more patients that didn't have insurance coverage than did. So we went from no prescription insurance coverage to almost ubiquitous, and uh, and then that's when insurance companies realized that they could save money by you know reimbursing less and less and less. And so uh, that's that's been a big change. The other the other is the advent of the chain pharmacy pushing the independent pharmacy out and. Uh, that's uh, that's that's a a big concern for people that own their own businesses. Right, right. Well, so so two different topics there. So I, I want to uh, you know dig into the chain pharmacy. I, I would equate that to kind of a Home Depot and, and Lowe's versus the uh, local hardware store guy. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of similar similarity there. But I want to I want to dig a little bit further into this, the insurance part of it. So you know, mm. it's interesting. I, I didn't think of that. You know, I've just always assumed that insurance has been around for forever. So insurance didn't initially cover most people and or and or most pharmaceutical drugs. How did they pay for it? Just out of pocket? I mean, was yeah, that- usually it was out of pocket or uh, yeah. Um, but uh, pharmacies, you know, laws. Uh, regarding you know what a pharmacy can um, you know charge you know when a patient has insurance has, has evolved over the years too so so but yeah it was, it was either out of pocket or they had insurance and and, and pharmacies could even discount their insurance copay to to gain more uh, uh, business competitive yeah. more competitive which is which is no longer allowed but uh, back in the day that's what they did right so so you guys were kind of free to charge or, or maybe you would say that market dictated what uh, someone would pay, supposedly, at, at least in yeah. the ideal world, uh, but insurance comes along and starts covering it. Um, but then, you know, how did how did the insurance companies ultimately drive the development of pharmaceuticals then? I have to imagine that had a big impact. 
Yeah, absolutely. So so once once they realized that the cost of of medications rising and and rising year after year, they had to rein in their costs and and um, their their way to do that is to limit which medicines they're going to pay for. So, for example, you have high blood pressure. Here's a list of five drugs and that work similarly. We're only going to pay for that one and that one, and these three are out. You can't have them, even if your doctor wants you to have that one that's not on the list. They began to dictate what a patient could and couldn't use, even if it meant you know potentially not maximizing their therapy. Uh, and that's that's where insurances come in. And then you know they the you know the cost of medicines go up. Well, we're going to reimburse a little bit less, a little bit less, and so profit margins declined and. And and that's that's put the smaller independent pharmacy in a, in a in a bind, and that's why the chains are starting to snatch them up. Right. So that's so the smaller pharmacies don't have the volume to be able to to survive on the thinner margins. Yep. And uh, and so then they have to ultimately you know have to sell probably under duress I would imagine you know. Yeah. And, very uh, very often. Yeah. That's a and that, that's a rough situation. So you know it, it, I. I, I want to. I'm digging into it a little bit because I think it's some insight into you know what the cannabis industry can expect over the the course of the next you know five or maybe even ten years. Um, currently, insurance doesn't cover um, you know anything as as far as medical cannabis goes here in Ohio, right? That's correct, and uh, and even nationwide, I I don't know of a major insurance company that that does. Uh, but but somewhere along the line. Uh, a, a progressive, not not the company progressive, but a progressive insurance company, um, will will look into it and and find out if it's a viable uh, way for them to to take care of their patients. I think the I think the federal restriction and the lack of uh, of of really solid scientific evidence is is going to hinder that for a while, though. Yeah, so you know maybe it's a maybe it's a blessing in disguise. You know, maybe an insurance uh, solution for patients um, isn't necessarily the best thing, ultimately for the for the cannabis industry. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So, all right. So you, you talked about uh, you know the the bigger chains and, and going under. We compared them to, to Lowe's and Home Depot. Um, you know that's that's a challenging situation. And, and I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're actually working for one of those smaller chains at the moment, and. Um, you know, it's it's a tough situation. I I would have to imagine. You know, working in that. Do you what what do you what does a smaller chain like that? I'm, I'm comparing it to essentially a dispensary. What's a smaller chain do to kind of differentiate themselves and stay competitive in a in a landscape like that? Right. It's usually a, a niche market. Uh, for example, the the company I work for now, we uh, we specialize in durable medical equipment. Your canes and your walkers and wheelchairs and things of that nature. Very few of the chain pharmacies use that, and and so you know that that differentiates us right away. Customer service is the next thing. You know, you think about you think of going to a a big box store, and you think of no at least very little custom in the way of customer service, and so so the smaller guys can always differentiate themselves by 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 being better at um, at serving the customer. And um, serving their individual needs versus uh, treating them as a number, like like they often get treated. 
Right. Well, and, and you can, you've probably got a smaller number of patients that are coming through the door. So, you know, you know, I mean, do you take the time to get to know them personally? To, you know, another name. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hi, Mary Johnson coming in and that kind of stuff. You betcha. You betcha. And then that's the way I hope to run my dispensary, too. Right. You know, you know while we, uh, it is a big business, but uh, there's room for, for small town type atmosphere at a dispensary, too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, all right, Scott, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, trying to tie this back to uh, you know our listening audience here, which are our processors. Want to want to chat a little bit about how you, as the director of a dispensary here in the state of Ohio, are gonna choose which you know which products you're gonna put on your shelf, and you know who you're gonna buy them from, and how you know Apex Supercritical's customers might you know help tailor their products or maybe give them some advice on what you're looking for. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit 8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest-growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including health care, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. The 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is just days away. August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on a jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, plus our can't-miss networking mega-yacht event, High Tide. You still have time to join us in Miami August 24th through the 26th for the 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss out. Log on to usccexpo.com and register now. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Scott Miglin, Director of Dispensaries for Ohio Grown Therapies. All right, Scott, so pharmacist 25 years making the uh, making the transition because uh you know medical cannabis is kind of the the new pharmaceutical if we want to call it that <laughs> and how do you uh, how do you pick right so you know apex supercritical 500 systems co2 extractors out there all of these processors making medical cannabis uh or, or even sometimes recreational but for ohio it's medical um, you know, you've got all these processors out there making products, and and you know, there's there's a billion of them. I mean, maybe not a billion, but there's a whole lot of them, <laughs> a bunch right? Of them. That are that are out there, and you know, there aren't uh, any really big brands yet that have kind of just taken over because advertising challenging, the market's fragmented, right? How does a processor, and we'll stay here in Ohio. How does a processor here in the state of Ohio 
choose what to make, right? How to, you know, how, what, what kind of recommendations would you provide or suggest to the processors on, on what to do and, and how it can help you as the director of dispensaries yeah. survive? Absolutely. Um, I think first, look at the qualifying conditions, study them. Um, you know, chronic pain is always a big one in any state that, that, that serves medical marijuana patients. And, and Ohio does serve that patient. So that's obviously going to be a, a big, uh, big driver in, in the products that are produced. But, you know, looking at the other 20, uh, the 20 conditions, you know, it's, it's important. You're going you know, to, you're going to want to have what the, the market's going to need. Uh, so that's the first place to start. The next is, you know, a lot of a lot of the companies are already operating in other states. They have data from other states. You know what's what products are selling and what aren't. Uh, obviously, in 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 Ohio, maybe it's not obvious. Maybe I shouldn't have said obviously, but in Ohio, we can sell um, flower product, but it can't be smoked. So that's going to limit people's use on flour unless they're willing to spend on a on a high end vaporizer. So you know what alter what are what are the next alternative products to smoking uh, marijuana and and go that route? Obviously, concentrates, vape pens, things of that nature are going to be big big players in in the Ohio market. So those are the first two things that I would say. You know, look at those and then make make connections with all those dispensaries. If you're if 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 you're a processor but you don't have an outlet, you know reach out to those dispensaries and, and, and talk to them. So, and it, what, what about packaging? You know, um, is there a, realizing you're predicting the future, looking into a crystal, crystal ball, because there technically aren't any patients yet in the state of Ohio, but, you know, looking into the crystal ball, what kind of packaging do you think uh, Ohio patients are going to respond better to? Mm. Um, you know, what, what kind of what kind of products do you think that maybe they might be more interested in? When I say product types, not necessarily brands. Mm-hmm. So, all starting with packaging, uh, just you know, for for the general information out there, everything that comes to the dispensary will be prepacked. Uh, so, so we'll have nothing that's uh, you know taken out of a bulk container and, and portioned out to a to a patient. So everything that will come to us will be in a prepackaged condition. Um, so the so that needs to be taken into account. So, uh, so maybe having having multiple sizes available, right, for the patient who needs a you know a one day supply or a ten day supply or a you know eighty day supply. Exactly, uh, and 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 yeah, and you mentioned the day supply. You know, uh, what is a day supply? Well, there there's uh, there's information out there, and and, and um, I've I've got a chart. You know, how much, and it's all based on THC content, and so how much of this, say for example, this capsule has 10 milligrams of THC in it. How many days supply does that amount to? There's a chart for that. You know, um, so, so packaging in, in increments, packaging for, you know, trying to anticipate what's the average patient going to buy and how much is that going to cost and, and how much is it, you know, how much is packaging, say 10 capsules or, you know, packaging two capsules, raise the price versus if you buy 10 at a time or something like that. Those right. are some uh, packaging concerns and, and cost differentials. How about old people versus young people? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, this, this is kind of interesting. I, I have to imagine that, you know, you see 
prescriptions, you know, some prescriptions are just generally geared towards older people and others are, you know, towards younger people, just kind of based on what they experience in their life. Um, cannabis is a little bit different, right? You're, you're going to see all ages coming across. You expect that you know older people will respond to packaging differently um, because this is kind of an open sale, right? There's a that's more like buying jewelry than it is you know getting a pharmaceutical. Yeah, um, you know you've got to take into account the disease state, the age of the patient. Um, you know, a, a, an older patient with with limited dexterity is going to be different than a uh, you know a, a younger patient with you know chronic pain in his back but his his hands are working just fine that's that's uh you know one thing um um but uh you know how how they can read the packaging you know you're gonna have uh you know size six font and and, and so you know an older <laughs> patient can't read it you know right. you know that's uh yeah lots of things to consider from that perspective uh but yeah Right. Well, and, and the, the actual the appearance of the package. So, I, you know, a, a lot of people say, well, you know, it should look like a pharmaceutical. Right? You know, it should be very plain white, you know, almost, you know, you know, kind of marketing free, if you want to call it that. But that's not how a patient's going to select in a dispensary. Right. I mean, a patient's going to walk in. And there's like I said, it's more of a, of a jewelry counter right yep. where you know, there's multiple yeah. products that are offered. And, and the 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 attractiveness of the packaging is as important to the end consumer, to the patient, um, as you know anything that you're going to describe as a therapy, right? Yeah, I, I, I can I can agree with that, but uh, but I would counter also going you know kind of I guess bringing this kind of full circle. It's going to be the education too. Uh, you know, a lot of patients cannot don't. It is going to be new to them, so educating and and that's what i've done for the past 20 years is educate people and so yeah i might have a flashy package but i'm going to be there to tell you you know this isn't really the right thing for you because this that and the other and so right. so packaging is only one part of it uh and you know but having a great staff that can educate our patients is going to be i think even more important Right. And, and and maybe that's some good advice for the processors as well is, you know, don't necessarily just give flashy, flashy packaging. You know, expect to, to spend some time educating you as the dispensary director so that you can subsequently educate the patients. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, so that's a, that's some good insight. Scott, I, I think we could uh, go on forever about this, but unfortunately we're out of time. Before we go, how could somebody get a hold of you as the dispensary director for Ohio Grown Therapies? Yeah, you can reach me uh, best ways by email, and it's uh, Scott with two T's, S C O T T at OhioGrownTherapies.com. Great, great. And uh, you know the question that everybody's going to ask: When's that dispensary going to open? You got any, you got any <laughs> insight on that? Yeah, September eighth, just like the state said, right? <laughs> I guess no. So. Uh, operational is not necessarily open, right? <laughs> right. Um, we're shooting for uh, late fourth quarter, early first quarter of two thousand nine. Late late fourth quarter, two thousand eighteen. Early first quarter, two thousand nineteen. Right, and that's that's when materials probably going to actually start to become available from the cultivators at the same time. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's good. All right, Scott, thanks. I appreciate uh, you taking a few minutes to, uh, to to do this interview today. For everybody else out there, look for other Mission Supercritical shows to learn more about Apex Supercriticals. 500 plus customers operating in the cannabis industry. Hope you're going to join us. And until then, happy extracting. 
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.